Welcome to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name, and I am your author as well as your host for this and all the other podcasts, Teddy Garland, and this podcast is one that is listed in the guidebook to listen to after you've picked out one of the great one-day adventures in the guidebook, and you have picked out the South Loop today, Canyon Waterfalls, Mud Pots, and Yellowstone Lake. So if you guys look in the back of the guidebook, there's a map of Yellowstone Park on there. We're doing the lower half of the figure eight. Now, we're doing the east half of it. On that, on that chapter in the guidebook, the South Loop. The South Loop also includes all the stuff over at the Old Faithful area, but from Madison Junction down to Old Faithful and then the Old Faithful area, that takes two days to see all that. It takes a day to go see geysers go off, so there's a geyser chapter to tell you how to go watch geysers go off, and then there's also a chapter to catch all of the other geysers in the geyser basins from Madison Junction down to Old Faithful, and that's another chapter in the guidebook. But the South Loop, we are going to cover everything there is to see besides all that stuff at Old Faithful. We're going to swing around from the canyon area all the way down through the mud volcano area, the Hayden Valley, the largest free-roaming bison herd. Swing over there and hit the have a great lunch at the Lake Hotel. Check everything there is to see at Yellowstone Lake. We're going to slide right past the West Thumb guys racing because it sucks. I mean, the worst thing at Old Faithful is better than the best thing at West Thumb. And then we're going to hit Isa Lake, and then we're going to be a backup at Old Faithful. And then we're going to, but that takes all day to do that east side of the lower loop and get over to the Old Faithful area by the end of the day. So that is what you've chosen. And this podcast kind of gets into some fun stories and stuff. The guidebook in the, in that chapter, the South Loop. Canyon Waterfalls, Mud Pots, and Yellowstone Lake is all you need to know to do that area. This podcast just enables me to tell you guys some fun stories, and I kind of gloss over all the rest of that stuff. So, and as you guys will hear in my podcast and in that guidebook over and over and over again, there are two things in the world I hate to waste, and that is time and money. And the guidebook not only tells you how to beat the crowds at all the main stops in the park, and today we're going to stay out in front of those crowds because the canyon area where we basically start this podcast is the second most popular area besides the Old Faithful area. Uh, literally, there are busloads of tourists, and I mean not one or two busloads. I'm talking 10 or 12 busloads that start getting to that area about 8.30 or 9 o'clock every morning. You've got to get out in front of those busloads of people to enjoy these areas. And so we're going to get into all that here in a second. So that guidebook will save you time and tell you how to beat the crowds. But also in the planning your Yellowstone vacation chapter, I cover all kinds of money-saving tips on flights, lodging. You can save thousands of dollars on lodging on the, listening to the tips I've got in that guidebook. And you can save money on feeding your clan while you're there. I give some great tips that I've learned over the years about how to save money on instead of purchasing three meals a day, eating out every day can add up quick. And I tell you how to beat that as well. So you can save thousands of dollars with those money-saving lodging tips. The guidebook has been called a must-have for any trip to Yellowstone Park and the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone. And it's available on our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com. And when you go to our website, you'll find lots more information, great pictures, and you'll also find full-length reviews 
and pictures that you guys sent us after you got home of you guys having a great time in Yellowstone Park, thanking us for our guidebook. And if you guys would take the time when you get home, send us a quick email and uh, send us some pictures, that'd be great. And we'll add it to that review section. And a lot of your guys' pictures are what we have used in the guidebook. And they're really, really good. So... To get your guidebook, simply go to our website where you can purchase an electronic copy for only $11.99 and you can get a paperback copy for $24.99 and I write a personal note to everyone who buys one and throw in a cool Yellowstone Explorer sticker and you'll find some combo deals on there that are really popular. A lot of people get a paperback as well as electronic copy. And that saves you a little cheese. Never hurts to save some cheese on a Yellowstone Park vacation. If you happen to be listening to these podcasts from outside the U.S. and you want a paperback copy when you arrive, or if you're already there, just call the book peddler in West Yellowstone, and Debbie and her top-notch staff will have a copy waiting for you to pick up when you arrive. And when you open up that guidebook, you're going to find a QR code in the back that gives you access to our private YouTube page, which is the single largest library of videos ever compiled for the parks. So you'll be able to see all the great things I talk about in the guidebook instead of just reading about them and seeing a picture or two. And also, you'll find an itinerary section in there, which uh, for first people that come to Yellowstone Park, Park, if you're a first-time visitor, you know you really don't know what to do all on your itinerary. So I get a lot of emails about setting up an itinerary. So if, no matter if you've got one or two days or a week, we have have an itinerary planned that you guys can follow and then it you know picks out the adventures in the guidebook and you kind of do them in order on the itinerary section and we also have a new rating system and they're telling you which sites are the best ones and how difficult it is to get some of those sites because some of the things in Yellowstone Park are difficult to get to so with all that said let's get started we're covering the section of road today from Canyon down to West Thumb. And the reason we're breaking Yellowstone Park down into areas is because we're doing what we can do in one day. Yellowstone Park is just huge, you guys. It's a whopping 3,500 square miles with Grand Teton attached to its south side. I mean, it's about the size of Connecticut. So you must break the Yellowstone Park down into an area you can do in one day. And today we have picked the South Loop Canyon Waterfalls, Mud Pots, and Yellowstone Lake. So we're going to do the east side and across the south of the lower loop of Yellowstone Park, and that is all you can do in a day. You can't do any more than what is listed in the guidebook on the one-day adventures in a single day. You just can't do it. You're just going to end up having a miserable day if you try to do more than that. So, All right, and uh, remember, the guidebook is the cake. These podcasts are just a little icing on the cake and enable me to uh, tell you guys some funny stories that are just too lengthy to put in the guidebook. So, All right, let's get started with the South Loop. All right, so you're sitting there at Canyon Junction, and you're going to turn right and go south. Now, I cover everything there is to see and do in the Great Canyon area in that chapter, the South Loop, Canyon Waterfalls, and so on and so forth. And I also covered it in my podcast, Norris to Canyon. So I kind of tell you which things you're going to go see first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, you need to hear the story of the Moran Bench, which is in the guidebook. So I'm not going to do the Canyon area again. 
But right when you turn right for this first little area in this meadow is a great place, great spot to see elk. It's a great spot to see grizzly bears early in the morning, and it's a great spot to find the elusive moose just for this first block before you get to the trees, before you get to the canyon stables. The canyon stables will pop up on your right. And anybody that's listened to my podcast or read the guidebook knows that I do not recommend you ride horses inside the park. There are some great places to go ride horses right outside of Yellowstone Park, and I have a complete chapter in the guidebook devoted just to horseback riding. If it's your goal to ride horses on your Yellowstone vacation, simply read that chapter. So bypass the stables for now, and you will always find some big bull bison hanging out right there on that road as it kind of swings back to the right and goes down the hill. I don't know. I guess bison like to hang out with horses for some reason. Who knows? So... And remember, in this podcast, we're not covering anything there is to do in the canyon areas. You're going to bypass all the turnoffs, and you're just going to keep going south along the Yellowstone. And the Yellowstone River will kind of zoom in on your left and just kind of run down through there, and the road kind of meanders down and follows the Yellowstone River. It's a really, really pretty spot through here. You'll go there for about a mile, and then all of a sudden, the trees just kind of stop, and you'll be looking at the Hayden Valley. And the Hayden Valley is home to the largest free-roaming bison herd in the world. It's an amazing spot. All right, so here, here comes your first story. Didn't take long to get to that first story, did it? Here, here's your first story. You know, there's not a lot to see right through here, and these bison will come up. I mean, if they're running through the roads right through here like they always do, they'll come right up to your car, man. I mean, they'll get right next to your car. You can reach out of your car and touch them. But uh, let me give you guys a little history lesson and about bison and whatnot and what happened to them all. I live in Oklahoma City during the winter months, and we have the National Cowboy Hall of Fame and Western Heritage Art Museum here, and it's one of the top museums for that stuff in the world. It's really, really cool. It's very, very impressive. And they had a display set up for the summer for bison. And so I went there to go check it out. I wanted to go see what was going on. So I'll go in there and look at it all. And it was amazing. It was really an educational deal. So here, I'm going to kind of gloss over it with you guys. There were 38 million, million bison roaming around the United States. And they got hunted down to 48 animals. So that's it. Almost to just the extinction. And 26 of these bison walked into Yellowstone National Park. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Just saw pictures of these guys standing on mountains, heads. You know, you can barely see them on top. They're up there 100, 150 feet in the air, standing on skulls of these bison that they had killed and skinned. And, and it was all money they were just slaughtering these bison, you know, killing the bison and and cutting the hides off of them and shipping them to Paris. It was the big fad in France and in Paris for the guys to walk around with a big full-length bison coat. And then the women would have a shawl made out of the bison neck up there with the longer hair and stuff like that. It was strictly money-related. But a guy could go kill 20 or 30 bison, and they're not doing anything. They're not running from you. They're just out there eating grass like cattle and just, you know, boom, just drop you. As fast as you can load your gun up, bison are there. What happened to George? Boom! You know, he drops. What happened to Fred? Laying there on the ground, you know, and they're slaughtering these bison, just falling, covering the ground with dead bodies of bison. They showed a picture. You couldn't even see the ground for as far as you could see. There was just dead bison laying on the ground. They had got 
shooting them and then other guys skinning them as fast as they could. It was unreal. But a guy could go kill 30 or 40 bison and make more money in one day than he could working in a coal mine, saying in West Virginia, or a steel mill up in Pittsburgh in six months. That's why they. That's why they were shooting all these bison and killing them. I mean, it, it's just money oriented. That's all there was to it. Luckily, finally stopped slaughtering them down, and they got down to forty-eight and twenty-six. Walked into Yellowstone Park. And the other 22 or so walked into the Dakotas. So let me tell you the difference between a Yellowstone bison and a Dakota buffalo. When they both went their separate ways, the Yellowstone bison are generally larger and have a wider, more angular head, and their horns point almost straight up. Whereas the buffalo that now roam in the plains of the Dakotas are a bit smaller, have a much more rounded head, and their horns point forward a bit more. And so that's the way you can always tell the difference between a Dakota buffalo and a Yellowstone bison. So that, that's it. And it's just simply breed. The big bull went that way, and one big bull came this way into Yellowstone Park, and, and there you see their offspring now. So, But you, in this Hayden Valley, you are now looking at the largest free-roaming bison herd on Earth. It's really, really, really pretty cool. All right, so I'm going to roll in a couple more stories right here. Right when you cleared the, the Hayden Valley and it opened up in front of you, just to the right, you'll see your first trailhead marker for the Mary Mountain Nez Perce Creek Trail. And for the last, gosh, four or five years, this trail has been closed. And the reason for this is because a photographer, Bozeman, went up that trail about, I don't know, four or five hundred yards, a block or two or whatever, in the spring of 2017, I guess, right when the park opened. And he goes back there and he baits a bear. He, he puts food down for a bear to come over there. And so goes off trail to the right a little bit and puts it back in the edge of the trees right there. Well, he lets it sit overnight. He comes back the next day to see if he can get a big picture of a bear right back there. Well, sure enough, he, he got more than a picture of a bear. There was a big bear back there waiting on him, and it mauled him and about tore his face off. You know, I don't know if he lived or died. I never really heard the whole story. I just heard the story about him baiting a bear, and it made all the news and all that stuff, and he uh, ended up getting in the hospital and got his face rearranged pretty quickly. And that's one of the stories that's just too lengthy to put in the guidebook, and and that's kind of just a you know weird story that happened as you guys are driving along. But that's kind of an example of what's uh, not in the guidebook, and uh, but are in these podcasts. Just a, these podcasts enabled me to tell you some uh, crazy stories like that guy that baited that bear over there. So you know, there's another story that is in the guidebook that you guys can pick up right through here about these uh, four girls in this car that uh, bait a bear over there to their car with a sandwich or something like that and the bear had to be shot and killed and and I tell you how not to do that how to police the park in the moment when you see people doing stupid crap like that and so but anyway that's a story that's in the guidebook so I'm not going to you know double do it here so all right but you're continuing on through the Hayden Valley and you know it's just beautiful through here guys the Yellowstone's meandering off to your left and the Hayden Valley's all around you it's really really pretty through here 
And obviously, if you uh, see a lot of people pulled over and they got spotting scopes or big binoculars out and they're looking out over the plains area right through here on either side of the road, we just pull over in the pullout and ask them what they got. Man, if they got a bear over there, pull over and take a look. There's, there's like I say in that story, there's always grizzly bears roaming around through here. Not like they are, like they are up on the north loop from the from Tower Junction up the northeast entrance road, but they are definitely some grizzly bears hanging out through here and a ton of bison. So. All right, continue south, and you'll cross over Alum Creek, a few more creeks, and uh, just make note of it before you get to the Mud Volcano area. On your right, there is a trail, not really a trail, it's off-trail hiking, to what I consider the most unique, glorious, beautiful geyser hot pool in all of Yellowstone Park, which makes it that in the world. It is an, an absolutely astoundingly beautiful, gorgeous, flat-ass, getting-it geyser called Lime Geyser. And I named it that because of its colors, because I couldn't find another name for the dang thing. And this is one of the off-trail, beautiful hikes to a secret backcountry geyser basin that's in the guidebook, and this is one of the main reasons I wrote the guidebook. But if you want more information about getting back to the Lime Geyser area, you need to get it in the hiking chapter in the guidebook. It'll tell you everything you need to know to get back to this glorious area in this beautiful, beautiful geyser. I mean, if there was a road back here to this geyser, you guys, it would be one of the premier stops in the park. It would be right up there with uh, Old Faithful and Grand Geyser and the Lower Falls. There would be twenty to 30,000 people a day jostling around to get a picture in front of this geyser. It is that cool. It is unbelievable, and it's got the most unique lime color water in it bursting to about eight or ten feet in the air constantly and these biscuits around it are lime colored and the water coming out of it's lime colored it's 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 fabulous it's an absolutely a fabulous fabulous geyser and there's a great picture of it in the guidebook so you can kind of see what it looks like if you guys want to determine if you want to get back there so it is unreal so continuing on down the road and the next main parking area you're going to come to is the mud volcano area and you guys definitely want to do this All right, just find a spot uh, anywhere to park and uh, take off walking to your right. I like to do this walkway counterclockwise. Kind of seems to be a little easier to me and everybody else seems to do it clockwise. So you're not walking with people, you're just kind of going around them and you kind of have the, a more of a on your own feeling kind of that way doing it. So do it counterclockwise and uh, walk way off to the right. And the first thing you're gonna come to is Dragon's Mouth Cauldron, which is really, really cool. And it, I mean, it's belching this steam coming out of it and everything else. And it's it's a great spot for little kids to tell them there's a dragon living back in that hole. My kids are, oh my God, you know, and all this stuff when they were little. And I mean, it really looks like there's a dragon back in the hole with the water belching the, the steam out and it's all rising through there. It's really pretty. Pretty interesting and it's funny the the Hayden expedition which was mapping Yellowstone Park back in 1869-1870 they were camped down at the uh, Yellowstone River right below here and didn't even know this stuff was up there on the hill and so by the time they got settled in for the night and everybody started to go to sleep well they could hear the belching of Dragon's Mouth Cauldron up the hill and they go well what's that so then they went up there and found it the next morning they really didn't know all this stuff was actually up there. 
because there's so much stuff to see. They went up there because they heard Dragon's Mouth Calder, and it's really cool. And then you kind of circle around on the boardwalk and back to your left, and then there'll be a set of stairs that takes off to your right. There's a number of uh, mud ball pools and bubbling mud and shooting all this stuff in the air and all this all through here. You go up those stairs, and you get up the top of the hill, and it circles back around. It comes right back down to the parking lot. But there's a really cool lake up there, just a steaming, sizzling lake. And then Black Dragon Cauldron, not Dragon's Mouth Cauldron, but Black Dragon Cauldron is this weird lake and this air vent that's bubbling this mud up in this lake keeps eating this hill back literally probably three or four feet a year. It just keeps getting wider and wider and wider. It's just a long deal. You can just see how this thing has eaten back over the years. This thing was half this big when I was a kid going up there. It is just going back to the south, eating its way into this hill. It's fascinating. And then you'll come down the hill and there's just really cool pool after really cool pool and it looks like they're just going to explode out of the pool any minute but they really never fill the pool up that it's in. It's it's kind of really interesting to see and there's usually some bison walking around back here you guys so you really if there's a bison on the boardwalk you'll see people go right almost up to them and touch them and I'm telling you what those bison are not friendly. They are not friendly. More people get hurt by bison every year in the park than anything else so don't, don't go anywhere near a bison. Just give it a wide berth and just wait. Wait for it to clear the walkway. They don't look like they're ever moving or going anywhere, but man, bison are stealthy. <laughs> Before you know it, they're just gone and you can't even find them anymore. But uh, Just if you see a bison anywhere near or on the boardwalk, do not go around it. Just wait for it to clear the area. Head on down the hill, and once you can see the parking lot, look for all the dead trees right there on the right and left as you're heading down the hill. And I think it's a little asphalt walkway down through that from there. And uh, the bathrooms will be right in front of you and everything else. But all these dead trees were all alive in 2015, 2016. It was just a green grove of trees through here. What has happened is, is the ground has got so hot in the last five, six, seven years, it has just cooked the roots of those trees to death and they're all dead. It, it's amazing. This this place is, is really, really volatile. It's a, it's really, really wild. So get down to the bottom of the hill. The restrooms are right there on the, on the right. Anybody needs to use the restroom, use it now. Good restrooms are hard to find and these are these are not good restrooms or pit toilets. Use the restroom if you need to and you know, everybody jump in the car and head back on the road. And right when you pull out on the main road, Look out across to your left and look at the Yellowstone River through there. It's really, really pretty through here, and it's real smooth grass all the way down to the river right there. This is a great picnic spot. If you guys want to have a good picnic spot, just leave your car parked at the parking area for the Mud Volcano area, walk across the street and walk down there, and that's a great spot to have a throw down a blanket in the grass. The, the Yellowstone River's right there. You can put your feet in it and everything. And if you look close enough, there are fumaroles or air vents in the river, literally blowing air up into the river and water is just taking the air bubbles downstream. There's always bison walking around. So like I say, I am not a fan of using any picnic area in Yellowstone Park when there's spot like this that you can, I mean, there's going to be 5,000 people 150 yards away from you and you're going to be down there on the river Yellowstone Park to yourself in just in like a three-minute walk. It's so easy to get away from the people, and this is a great picnic spot. All right, so that is the Mud Volcano area, and our next thing to see is Lahardy Rapids, and then we're going to be at Fishing Bridge.
You'll quickly pass three picnic areas on both sides of the roads that are going to be just overrun with people and not right down by the river. So go past those. And then within about five blocks, everything kind of comes up quick. These are short segments of road. Is Lahardy Rapids on your left? There's no reason to stop at Lahardy Rapids, but it is an interesting geological area. This is a lifting of the floor of Yellowstone, and it has created the natural dam for Yellowstone Lake. So the Lahardy Rapids starts the beginning of Yellowstone Lake, and everything north of Lahardy Rapids is the Yellowstone River. All right, so that is the natural dam for this enormous lake that is so big and so deep it is classified as an inland sea. But that is the natural dam for this entire huge lake, which is only a few miles up the road. In about three or four more miles, you will come to the Fishing Bridge Junction. And there is absolutely no reason to stop at the Fishing Bridge Junction. And uh, so I'm going to kind of gloss over uh, a couple of things here at the Fishing Bridge area just to give you guys the the lowdown on what's going on with the fishing bridge area and the road that goes from there to the east entrance road to cody just to tell you guys what's happening and if you guys want to listen to this if you want to go back there and see some of this stuff then great but outside of that i i do not recommend anybody going towards if cody after the fishing bridge junction there's so much more stuff to see on down further south including the gorgeous lake hotel in yellowstone lake all right so here is the fishing bridge area and the north end of Yellowstone Lake. Alright, I'm going to kind of cover this stuff and like you're at the, the Fishing Bridge Junction heading east and the first thing you're going to come to, obviously, is Fishing Bridge. And you guys can look up the old pictures. I mean, there would be hundreds, hundreds of people on both sides of this bridge with fishing rods sticking off both sides and stuff's intertangled, but they're all catching trout off the bridge and bringing them up and then taking them to the campground, which is a little bit down for the road and having them for dinner. Can't catch any, keep a keep any fish in Yellowstone Park anymore, and you can't fish off this bridge anymore. Uh, however, there is one little interesting tidbit at this fishing bridge area. If you'll look off to the left as you're crossing over to the bridge, there's a little pullout right there, and there's a flat spot built into the little cliff right there. Uh, along the left side or west side of the Yellowstone River. And there used to be a wooden dock there. And we used to rent canoes off that wooden dock for people to paddle around in the calm waters of the Yellowstone Lake, which is almost the river right through here. And I, that was my first job ever in my life, was working at Yellowstone Park at the Fishing Bridge area, renting out canoes to people. It's funny, but this... this Friend of my father's, who was a head, one of the head rangers in Yellowstone Park named Haskell Elder, who actually died with my father on Lake Henry's, and I tell that story in the guidebook. But he would bring me into the park with him, drop me off over here at Fishing Bridge, and help rent out canoes when I was seven years old. And we would uh, people would come up and paddle them in. But what would happen is get out there on a canoe and it would tip over, and you know, and it's a decent current through here. The canoe would get down past them and they couldn't go get it and eventually that canoe would make its way down the Yellowstone River and up over the upper and lower falls. So after that happened a few times over the years, I think I worked there for four or five years. After that happened a few times, 
the Park Service got sick of, of canoes going over the falls, so they uh, ixnayed the uh, canoe rental, and I lost my first job in my life, which was working in Yellowstone Park right there in that very spot. So, all right, you're going to go past uh, the big camping area for the fishing bridge area. There's a gas station, a little store to get something to eat if you want to grab a uh, candy bar. I think they got some heat-up microwave stuff, but don't don't eat here. You, we're going we're gonna to stop at the Lake Hotel in a minute and grab a bite to eat at the absolute best place to get a meal in Yellowstone Park just down the road. So don't get anything here. Just use the restroom if you need to or whatever. All right, as you continue on east, there is an interesting trail at Indian Pond. And Indian Pond Trail, is Indian Pond looks like a hole in the ground with water in it. But if you go out there, you can go to Storm Point and get kind of right down to the Yellowstone Lake and kind of look at Yellowstone Lake. It's really, really, really pretty right through there. But if they, geologically speaking, this area and in the water and right there at Indian Point is the ground is rising at an unbelievable two to three inches a year. And that is a Formula One car speed, <laughs> geologically speaking, heaving up. I mean, ground usually heaves up two or three inches every hundred years. It's coming up two or three inches a year in this area. I mean, because the, the mantle is under that water. Stuff coming up under the lake right there, and they've gone down there and scuba dived. You can see the lava in the lake. It's kind of like the lava flows in Hawaii that are coming up out of the ocean. It's the same thing in this spot right here at Storm Point. So you can't see anything when you walk out there, but it's a it's a nice view of the lake. And then continuing on east a little bit, you'll go by Mary Bay. You can there's a nice beach. You can walk right out there. It's one of the few places on the lake that has a nice beach. You can walk out there. And then you'll go over Steamboat Point, which is right down the road. And then there's Sedge Bay, Bay Beach. And both of these are really cool little beaches. If you want to have a picnic lunch on a beach in Yellowstone Park, the, the Mary Bay and Sedge Bay Beach are your places to do that. They're gorgeous. They're just real smooth, flat, going down to the water. Your kids can go out there and play in the water on a warm day. There's some hot springs that uh, actually pour water that kind of goes under the road right there and it pours in the lake right there and uh, the water is actually really warm in spots. I mean, you can find a spot right there on Yellowstone Lake which has just freezing cold water that's got 80 or 90 degrees. Your kids can go frolic around on that for a little while. It's actually a really cool spot. And this little area is uh, well, another uh, great idea I had in Yellowstone Parks. You know, I know you guys like uh, listening to people getting almost killed. And I almost killed myself right here uh, some years ago. So here's your next story. And this is, in, again, one of those stories that's just too lengthy to put in the guidebook. So uh, I throw them uh, here on these podcasts. And, uh, yeah, I almost get killed in this one. So, yeah, this is a really good one. All right, I'll try to make this one quick. Um, I had hatched this idea that I've always wanted to get up the southeast arm. If you'll look from Mary Bay straight south across Yellowstone Lake, you'll see this area called the Promontory. And on the east side of that is called the southeast arm of Yellowstone. And up that southeast arm, you get to an area called the Thoroughfare Area. And it's still in Yellowstone Park. But that Thoroughfare Area is the most seldom seen area in the continental United States, and it's in Yellowstone Park. 
And it's just hard to believe, but that is the truth. So I have always wanted to get back to that thoroughfare area. I have canoed back there, but I couldn't get to shore because there's a bunch of grizzly bears back there. But I've actually seen it, but I wanted to go do some hiking back there. So we had had a campsite reserve back there. I believe it was 5E2 or, or 5E3 along there. And then we were going to hike back into the thoroughfare area the next day. It was me and my buddy Gary and his little son Caleb, who was about nine years old at the time. And we didn't have a big boat or anything else. So we had one of my rats my whitewater rafting deals that we had a, a motor access on the back of you could put a little small motor in this little 15 horse Johnson motor and go through the water so we had we tried it out on the on the lake over there by my house and it worked great well we get over there to Sedge Bay on that beach and we're you know unloading the car and inflating the raft and all this kind of stuff and had got our permits and our boat stickers and all that stuff and we had taken off down through there and I'm telling you guys, I, the the wind comes up on Yellowstone Lake, and I mean, it comes up big every day right after lunch. And we got out there, and it came up in the morning, one, the morning we were going to get out there on it, unfortunately. And we make it about, God, four miles, three or four miles, Elk Point, Park Point. You can look on a map and kind of see how far we made it. I mean, the waves were coming in and crashing over that little raft of horse just filling the boat with water. It, it just was awful. And I mean, we were just completely over our heads. There were 10 foot tall waves coming in on us. And we tried to get turned around. We were trying to turn around and go back. So we, we try to head into the waves. The boat almost flips back over us like a, you know, a giant beach crashing wave. And the freaking motor came off. And so... <laughs> We lose the motor. The motor is tied on. Gary, thank God, had it tied on with a safety rope or it caught on one of the ropes. I can't remember the whole story, but it was awful. This is about in 2005, I guess. And so we get pushed back, washed back to shore real quickly. We're only about 100 yards from shore. We were staying close to shore in case the whole thing flipped over and we had to swim. And so we get back over there to shore and these waves are just blowing us into shore and we just get pushed up on this real steep bank and oh my gosh it was it was awful i mean it was just absolutely awful we finally get the the motor all up get a little test start on that stupid motor and get it tied back on there and we get back launched back in that water and just i mean the waves are just crashing over that boat and it's ice cold storms rolling in it's dark all of a sudden it was just it's supposed to be just a beautiful sunny day and i mean god it was just awful we finally get that boat going again and uh gary's sitting out there we're we're just out there in those waves just, motors coming out of the water when we go down the other side and he goes you still want to go over to our campsite i said no man we almost died are you kidding me i mean the boat was just full of water we got five gallon buckets trying to bail of water out of the damn thing it's like he still wants to know we want to go to the campsite and it's like no so we end up going back to to, to uh, sedge bay over there and bailing out i'm sitting there on the beach about to die of hypothermia and we're trying to get warm the car warmed up and it was awful it was just absolutely awful 
So that's that story. And so, you know, that's just something that's just too lengthy to put in the guidebook. So I just throw it in these podcasts. You guys can listen to me doing really stupid stuff. Yellowstone Lake and ha- hand your hat to you. And I've almost lost my life on that thing, not once, but twice. And I'm not even going to get into that second story. But uh, yeah, they, I've, I've almost got killed on that thing twice. And it got me shied off of it for sure. I promise you, not much shies me off. But that Yellowstone Lake will get, get you shied off quick. And that's about it. There's really nothing to see past Sedge Bay. Once you hit hit uh, Mary Bay and Sedge Bay, you can might as well just turn her back around and head the other way and go back to Fishing Bridge and turn left. Back on the main road and you're heading south, uh, you're really going to go only about a mile or so, and then look on your left for the turnoff for Lake Village and the Lake Hotel. And you definitely want to make this turn. The Lake Hotel is the big yellow one down off to the right. There's kind of a a janky back road that leads to it. The main road takes you way down the hill over there away from the Lake Hotel. So when you see the employee housing and a road that kind of dives off to the right, go down through there, weave through that employee housing, and boom, you're going to be right there at the Yellowstone lake and right in front of the lake hotel there is an absolutely stupendous picture in the guidebook of one of the old uh, yellow stagecoaches pulling up in front of the lake hotel by a big four-team horse-drawn carriage and everybody's out there taking pictures of it i'm telling you guys the lake hotel has got it going on it is badass so park down there by the water walk up the hill And, I mean, you walk in the door, and there's this big, beautiful wood-floored veranda with big, cushy couches and chairs and people reading books and everything else. There's a big bar right there and a guy over there playing a huge white piano, classical piano, playing Mozart and everything else. This place has got it going on. You guys want to eat lunch now? This is the place to eat lunch. This is the best food and dining in Yellowstone Park. They have a gorgeous, beautiful dining area that looks out over the lake and, I mean, white linen tablecloths and an extremely well-trained staff. This is the best dining in Yellowstone Park by a long shot. I mean, I'll sometimes drive over just through the park in the evening after all the traffic dies down just to have dinner here. It's that good. It's top-notch. I mean, the gift shop's even got it going on. You'll find stuff in that gift shop over there that you can't find anywhere else in Yellowstone Park. I'm telling you guys, the Lake Hotel has got it absolutely going on. Walk around and if it, have an uh, aperitif or something and sit down on that veranda and kick your feet up 10 or 15 minutes and get out of the car for a minute. And when you're looking out across Yellowstone Lake right there, you're looking out there at Stevenson Island and everything right there, you're looking at the deadliest body of water per user in the United States. It is a so deep it is classified as an inland sea. And I'm not going to go into that story here because the it's in the guidebook and it's a sad story. And uh, so a lot of people don't want to hear sad stories. So if you want to read a, a story, it was a really big thing. It made all the news. I was a young kid and uh, it's about a bunch of Boy Scouts and it doesn't end well. And some of the bodies are still in the lake. They could not find them. And the lake is so cold they sank to the bottom. But that story is in the guidebook, so I'm not going to get into it here. And um, yeah, it's it's a very, very, very sad story. But the Lake Hotel absolutely has a flat ass going on. It's a great stop. And you get a great picture spot because you're parked down there at the bottom of the hill across Yellowstone Lake. You can see all the way to the Tetons from there.
All right, once you've had your fun in that uh, beautiful lake hotel, there's nothing else to see in this area, head back up to the main road again, and you're going to turn left, and almost instantly you're going to be at Bridge Bay Marina on your right. And at Bridge Bay Marina, they got some cool stuff at Bridge Bay Marina. If you want to go out on Yellowstone, like if you want a boat out there for half a day or a day or whatever, they've got these huge, big, badass boats that are capable of handing anything. They're, I mean, they're made of steel. They are really top-notch boats and uh, you can rent one of those boats and take it out anywhere you want on Yellowstone Lake and it will handle the biggest waves they've got. may not be any fun when the waves are crashing over the bow but you're not going to sink or anything or the motor's not going to fall off the back like it did with Gary and I and Caleb over there. But uh, yeah, you can go out there on, on and rent a boat at Bridge Bay Marina and take off out there and go anywhere you want Yellowstone Lake. Cool. Yellowstone Lake's really cool. You can head over to uh, Frank Island which is kind of out in the middle and there's actually two campsites on Frank Island on the on the uh, east side of it right there. You can pull that boat up, go up there and camp on Frank Island, spend the night, cook out and everything else and have a ball and then take, get hop back in the boat the next day and drive around the lake and then turn the boat back in. That That's your overnight camping trip in Yellowstone Park. I mean, there's some really cool, there's some boat-only campsites all around Yellowstone Lake that you can get to with one of those big, badass boats. But I would not canoe or kayak to any of them. Dot Island, which is right down there by Frank, is really interesting. There's no campsites on Dot Island, but the whole thing's about as big as a football field. But Dot Island's got an interesting story to it. And again, it's in the guidebook, so I'm not going to cover it here. But uh, yeah, just to first say that it's it's really... Yeah, this this weird concessionaire and all this stuff. and But yeah, I like going out on Dodd Island because you can find all remnants of stuff that was out there at the turn of the century. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool story. I, and I cover that in the guidebook, so I'm not going to cover it here. But uh, yeah, and just but touring around on Yellowstone Lake in one of those big badass boats is really cool. It's a neat way to spend a nice quiet day away from all the crowds and uh, all the information about the no phone number and how to rent the boats and all that's in the guidebook for you guys. All right, right past Bridge Bay Marina is Gull Point Drive and I want you guys to take Gull Point Drive. It's a little drive. It's going to dump down the road about two miles right back on the main road, but it's got some beautiful views across the lake back to the Lake Hotel and across to Stevenson Island right there. It it's a beautiful, beautiful drive. And right when you turn left and you'll kind of grow across the Bridge Bay Marina Bridge right there, I want you guys to take Gull Point Drive. There's a couple picnic spots back through there, and these actually get down closer to the water. There's a couple decent picnic spots. But again, if there's a bunch of people at a picnic spot, just go on down the road a little bit, find a place right there on the water, you know, go down there on the beach and throw down a towel and have a picnic lunch right there by yourself on Yellowstone Lake. Anyway, but Gold Point Drive is really, really worth a drive. And a few more miles down the road, the, the road actually kind of gets away from the lake a lot and then it comes back to it, gets away from it a lot, comes back to it. So you're not just driving along Yellowstone Lake the entire way, but there are some pretty vistas here and there, but none we're stopping at. You will go through a rather interesting spot that I think Things. It's not worth a stop. You're just going to drive right through it. There's a sign off to the left. 99.999% of Yellowstone Park is lodgepole pine. There are very few spruce and fir trees in the park. However, as you're driving through there on your way to West Thumb, you'll go through this one spot, and it's probably two or three blocks long, and you're driving through an old growth spruce and fir tree forest that over the millennia has avoided all the fires in Yellowstone Park. 
And these trees are supposed to eventually take over the entire area of Yellowstone Park and kill out all the lodgepoles. Goes away as fast as it started, but it looks like you left Yellowstone Park and drove through Washington State up there along the Olympia Point right through there, and that's exactly what it looks like, because those are the trees that are up there. But a few more miles down the road is Pumice Point, and Pumice Point is definitely worth a stop. All right, I've got a really great story in the guidebook about Pumps Point, so I'm not going to get into it too in-depth here, but a lot of you guys have, have pulled over at Pumps Point, and, uh, you know, you're like your wife's going, why are we pulling over here? Nobody ever stops here, and, and uh, you know, it's just a pile of rocks and all that kind of stuff. Then you guys send me a picture of you guys out there on Pumice Point, and uh, you go, man, it ended up being one of the coolest stops on our Yellowstone vacation. And if you know what you're looking at with Pumice Point, it's really, really pretty cool. So in the guidebook, I tell you all about Pumice Point and uh, what it really is and how you can get down there and you're basically living the latest eruption of the Yellowstone volcano and what you're looking at and where it all came from and and the body of water that sits out in front of you and everything else and it's really cool. If you know what Pumice Point is and after you get everybody down there, you're going to open up the guidebook and read them the story about Pumice Point. Everybody's going to start looking around and go, no kidding. Okay, I get it now. And uh, yeah, Pumice Point's got it going on. And uh, it ends up being one of the everybody's favorite stops. And a lot of the pictures you guys send us for the review section are of you guys at Pumice Point having a ball and your kids are out there frolicking around on these rocks and stuff. And, you know, if you know what those rocks are, it's really pretty hip. Plus, for a little icing on the cake, there's a great picture spot right there. You can see all the way down to the start of the Teton Range off in the distance. So if you know what Pumice Point is, it's pretty cool, and it's all in the guidebook for you guys. All right, right after you leave Pumice Point, there's kind of a burned area that went through here a few years ago. A fire went through here and burned a bunch of trees down. You can kind of see the lake off to your left real quick. And for some reason, there is a big bull elk that hangs out through here. So uh, you can kind of see him all the time. I probably see him half the time I drive through here. But he is one of the biggest bull elk in the entire park. I mean, he is really worth seeing. And if you can catch him in the summertime, his rack will be eight feet across. I mean, he is a monster elk. And he just hangs out in this one area right there. And he's hung out there forever, but you couldn't see him because it was in the trees. But he goes down there to the lake and all that. But that fire went through there and uh, burnt that area down. And so now you can see him through there. And he just calls this area home. It's really fascinating. But keep your eye out for that bull elk through there. All right, you're going to swing on around the corner, and uh, before you know it, you're going to be at the West Thumb Geyser Basin. And there is not a lot to see at West Thumb, but it does have a few neat hot pools and a nice walk along the lake, but nothing spectacular. If you have more than a week to devote to Yellowstone, then go check this area out. If not, then punt it. It takes about 30 minutes to see the entire area, but your next stop is Old Faithful, or wherever you're going to go from here, the Tetons, and anything at the Tetons or at Old Faithful, the worst thing at those areas 
series is the is better than the best thing at West Thumb. If you're going to head down to the Tetons from here or uh, head over to Old Faithful, then just go ahead and punt punt West Thumb. It's not, it's not worth seeing. So, and if you did happen to rent a boat from the Bridge Bay Marina, be sure and drive it over here as you can visit the seldom seen geyser basins that litter the shoreline just north of the West Thumb Geyser Basin walking area. Uh, for some reason, the Park Service has never allowed access to this great area, and you can only see these geysers and hot pools from a boat as you drive along the shoreline right there. And it's really pretty cool. It's really an amazing set of uh, geyser basins right through there. And I have no idea why the uh, Yellowstone National Park hasn't allowed foot traffic back there. But you can rent a boat right there and uh, go back there and check all that stuff out. And I cover other ways to get to that in depth in the boating chapter in the guidebook. So if that interests you, pick up that information there. So, all right, so we have made it. We have finished this podcast, which covers the east side of the lower loop and remember these podcasts just enable me to throw in some funny stories everything you need to do to pull off this area and where to stop and where not to stop and and keep driving through and have lunch and all that stuff is all in the guidebook remember these these podcasts are just a little icing on the cake the guidebook is the cake to get you guys to a great day in yellowstone park and and today you have picked out the south loop which in the guidebook, we, on the South Loop chapter, we cover the waterfall areas of the canyon area, the mud pots, and Yellowstone Lake. Remember, we didn't even get into the canyon area in this podcast, so but it's all covered in the guidebook, you guys. So, all right, everybody, have a great time in Yellowstone Park, and uh, also just kind of finish up this podcast for you guys that are cyclists that like riding bikes, long distance bikes, and all that kind of stuff, especially a road bike. There's very, very few places to ride a road bike in Yellowstone Park, but we just kind of went through one of those areas, and that is a good place to ride a road bike in Yellowstone Park, and one of the only place I'm ever going to ride a road bike in Yellowstone Park for a long distance in this podcast that we kind of went through those areas. So if you want to get some more information on bicycling or cycling in Grand Teton and Yellowstone Park, I also have a complete chapter devoted for cycling because I am a pretty big cyclist. So, and if you guys that interest you, I'll tell you where you can rent bikes for the day, throw them in the back of your car, go do some great biking and all that kind of stuff. But again, all that stuff's in the guidebook. So thank you very much for making it to the end of another podcast. And you guys heard some funny stories about me almost killing myself. And uh, it's always fun to listen to people screw up. So <laughs> you guys enjoy that kind of stuff. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.